What's going on? Episode 11 of the podcast. That's right, Cast a Podcast, episode 11 with Ronnie Moore here. We're going to kick it off. I wanted to do almost like an immediate reaction of the Bassmaster Elite Series event down at the St. John's River and how it finished up, what we expected, what happened, everything in between. And so wanted to take a minute and do that. So let's just jump right in. The 2020 season kicked off with the AFCO Bassmaster Elite at the St. John's River and Based on previous years, we expected the St. John's River to be a blowout. You know, in 2016, it, it took 82 pounds or so to win, um, and they were in a different stage than they were in 2019. In 2019, it took 98 pounds to win, and we saw an explosion from like the midday on day two through the end of the tournament. It was just an explosion of just giant fish pulling up, ready to do their thing. Uh, near the spawn and the anglers were there to capitalize and catch them and that was such an impressive week in an event in 2019 um, we saw 30 pound bags we saw a lot of 20 pound bags and if you had a 16 17 pound bag you were getting left in the dust I believe Rick Clun on day one which was day one was a tougher day one it wasn't like wide open for everyone and he had 17 pounds and he was in like 20th place and then the next day, you know, you catch, I think Rick Clun actually caught like a little bit more. I think he had 20 pounds and he jumped up to like eighth. And then he needed to catch like uh, a 35 pound bag on the final day just to, just to win that event. The crazy thing about that event was Rick Clun in 2019 led, uh, or uh, he didn't lead. He was in eighth place, I think, or ninth place. And he had like 64 pounds. And with that, he was down by like 11 pounds. Whereas the year prior, in 2016, he had 64 pounds after three days and was leading by six pounds or so. That's the crazy thing. Had had the same weight two different years. And one year he was up by six pounds. The other year he was down by 11 pounds. That's how good they caught him in 2019. He obviously had a giant bag and came back and won. Um, and that was 2019. So 2020, we're like, we're there the same week of the year and we are expecting fireworks. Uh, and there were fireworks. It just, it just played out much differently than we thought. And uh, there's a lot of factors to that. First off, congratulations to Paul Mueller for, for taking the title. It was only a three-day event. Normally, Bassmaster Lead Series events are four days, but we tried to do four days and it ended up being a three-day event out of a possible five that we tried. So the way the week was formatted, normally the Elite Series pros get to the first event a day or two early. And on that Sunday, we have photos of their jerseys, photos of their boats. They get all their meetings and registrations out of the way. Then they have three days of practice, Monday through Wednesday, to start the tournament on Thursday. Well, this week, uh, this event, we did it differently. They got to practice on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, three full days. Then on Wednesday, they had all the photos and the meeting and and all of the, you know, kind of making sure everyone was good to go for the 2020 season, all the rules and whatnot. So that's what was different. They had three straight days of practice, but then an off day before day one of the event. Well, with high winds from the south on day one, creating a wind advisory and, you know, a small craft advisory in some places on the river, uh, that off day turned into two off days because they postponed day one of the event on Thursday. 
Then the same thing happened on Friday, except they were extreme west winds. And in, if you don't know the St. John's River, it sounds like a river, and it is a river, but there are a lot of big open areas like Lake George, Little Lake George, Crescent Lake, above Palatka, a lot of really wide places where any kind of wind from the south, the north, the west, um, even possibly the east, would create a tough situation and uh, not just tough, but dangerous conditions. So postponed another day of the event. So it ended up up being a three-day event because we had moved it after postponing day one. We're like, okay, we're still going to do four days. It's going to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Well, it ended up changing even more, and it it just ended up being Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So a three-day shootout for an Elite Series title, and uh, wasn't easy at all. I mean, there was, if I remember correctly, I believe there were five or six 20-pound bags the entire week. Five or six 20-pound bags the entire week. We had 21.7 from Kelly J on day one. We had 20 pounds, eight ounces or 20 pounds, seven ounces from Paul Mueller. Clark Winlet had 20 pounds even. There's your three 20-pound bags on day one. And then I guess it was five because then day two, Kyle Welcher caught 22 pounds or caught 20 pounds and Patrick Walters caught 22 pounds. And those are the five bags of the event that broke 20 pounds. So completely different because we had uh, four or five bags over 30 pounds in 2019. So different kind of event. Um, Still equally fun though because a lot of areas played that don't normally play. Some of those canal systems played. North of Palatka played. And then really far south below Lake George played. So that was an interesting thing. To me, seeing Paul Mueller go north of Palatka and win I had been saying that for a couple years, like, why why haven't they? Almost every time I call Cliff Prince before the events start, I'd be like, when will North of Palatka play? And it just hasn't been able to hold up for every day of the event. You know, some guys have gone up there and made it made a great day day one, and then they've had to adjust and, you know, go down lake on day two or something. And so it's been hard to do for four days, especially because in the past few years of going there it might be cold and it might be pre-spawn and it might be tougher the first few days of the event but at some point that moon gets right the weather gets right and those fish begin to pull up and it just becomes a shootout with some big bass and you can't you can't probably win a shootout up north and that's just a fact that's not you know dissing that area of the river but you probably can't win in a shootout up north uh, when, when it's going to take 90 plus pounds, it's going to need a tough, a tough event overall, a slower bite, a tougher bite, maybe, uh, you know, not as many giants for that area to the river to play. And, and that's what ended up happening with Paul Mueller took 47 pounds and change to win the event over three days. That's like 16 pounds a day, which is normally, you know, 16 pounds a day doesn't get you fishing on the final day you know you can't make a top 10 or a top 12 fishing the final day with 16 pounds a day you've got to have close to 20 pounds a day just like Rick Clun did last year coming in eighth place with 64 pounds I mean he was he was on the verge of not making it you know only 10 people made it he was eighth and he had over 20 pounds a day so that's the the situation that we were under and Uh, It makes sense there's, you know, a lot of 16, 15, 16, 17-pound bags getting caught. 
Um, and getting that 20-plus pound bag re- required a giant. You know, Kelly J had a 9-7, uh, I believe a 9-7 on day one to have 21-7. Um, and then Kyle Welcher had 20 pounds with a 10-pounder. Clark Winlet had an 8-12 to have 20 pounds. So there were quite a few anglers who had one really big fish that took up, you know, at least 40% of their weight on 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 their big bag day. So that's the the interesting thing about it. When it came down to the technique, it was uh, it was interesting because Paul Mueller used a swim jig uh, for much of for much of his weight for most of his fish. He used a black and blue swim jig, um, and he did so fishing around lily pads and whatnot in in creeks up north. I thought that was really interesting because we figured, you know, people down south could do the same thing. But like Paul said on stage, he said, hey, if if other anglers had my area all to themselves like I did, they probably would have caught more weight. And that's him being humble because he's a great angler, won an Elite Series event in 2019 at the St. Uh, or at, not the St. John's River. He won an Elite Series event after the St. John's River last year at Lake Lanier. And uh, he's a great angler. So he probably was being humble there. Florida's obviously not his forte, but uh, one thing that is his forte is just maximizing every single bite that he gets, and that's what he did at Lake Lanier on his offshore spots last year, and that's what he did this week at the St. John's River. So kudos to Paul Mueller for doing that. He did fish alone other than just locals and, and other fishermen. No Elite Series pros were up there with him, so that was a big factor to why he managed to do so well. Uh, there were guys, you know, John Cruz who got second, Jake Whitaker who got fifth. They were fishing in canals and, and you know, places with docks that, that houses are on, those little shoots and whatnot. And he ended up, you know, they ended up having to share water not only with themselves or with each other, but with other anglers uh, that were practicing for their tournaments, local people, all kinds of factors came into those. So second and fifth out of pressured areas is good. Kelly J had Matt Airy in his region. They both did really well in this event. And he also had other Elite Series pros there as well that came in and fished those salt springs and whatnot. But then also local anglers there too. So pressure for his areas, he got third in the event. Cliff Prince really, really was just surviving day one and day two snuck into the final spot 20th place to make the final day cut that was also different this week normally we cut to 40 on day three and then we'll cut to 10 on the final day well this year we just cut to 20 on the final day because of that shortened tournament wanted to give as many people an opportunity to win as possible without having too many people having to travel up to lake chickamauga on a you know on a on a day drive so 20 people fishing. He was the last one to make the cut and then jumps all the way up to fourth place with 16 pounds on the final day, the biggest bag of the final day. And he really uh, was using as many spots as he possibly could on this place. He's a local there. He knows it so well. He took a photo of his graph with just thousands of waypoints and uh, that he that he had you know, at his disposal. So he had to run a lot of different places to try to get his weight and he ended up really coming through 
the last couple hours of the day and rising up the leaderboard. It was kind of interesting. If he had a couple more hours, would he have done? Would he have caught 20 pounds and won the event? Uh, if he had maybe another day, that's always what we'll ask and wonder. But Paul Mueller for sure thought so. He thought, hey, if we had another day or a few more hours, I probably would have lost this event to Cliff Prince. But that's Paul being humble again. Paul winning this event uh, was a big feat. And so we actually saw Paul switch it up on the final day after catching some fish on a swim jig. He started flipping, and uh, he flipped into one of those mats um, and pulled out a 6'11". That was giant for his day. He had 10 pounds or so with four fish, one of them being almost a seven-pounder. Really, really 100% saved his day. It was his fourth fish. He would have lost without the fish, um, but he ended up winning with that fish. Impressive event there. So just some other reactions that I had. Lake George really didn't play at all. We know that eelgrass was on the on the decline last year and it and it wasn't wasn't that strong this year we weren't sure why it you know had left whether it was hurricanes and high water that had pulled up that vegetation and sailed it down river or what it was but the grass didn't come back strong for 2020 and uh, with that Lake George really was a non-factor to be honest like other than areas off of Lake George you know the north end of Lake George and the the west side of Lake George, there was a couple places that anglers fished that were you had to get to from Lake George, but they weren't uh, what we would necessarily call Lake George. So Lake George didn't factor. We did see one angler in Crescent Lake doing well, and that was Jay Yellis. Impressive to make that last. Um, but overall, the river showed us a lot of different things. There were guys in the top ten from 50 miles south of Palatka, guys 30 miles north of Palatka. So the 110 miles, the 100 miles that were in play this week for the anglers to fish, you know, basically every inch of it was used. And we saw, you know, we saw two or three anglers above Palatka factoring, you know. Kyle Welcher did well, uh, not far north of Palatka. Harvey Horn did well north of Palatka. And then Obviously, Paul Mueller, those were the three guys really on the final day that did their deal there. Todd Otten fished north of Palatka as well, some. So, north of Palatka factored. Uh, a lot of those places on the river, you know, Wielaka, uh San Mateo, those regions of the river, they factored as well. Not so much Lake George, but then Lake Dexter, Lake Woodruff, those places down at the bottom, bottom end of the off-limits or the in-limits area. They factored too. So immediate reaction, kudos to Paul Mueller for making it work. I know it was getting tough for him on that final day. It blew my mind that it was tough because the water was coming back. So not only was it cold, you know, we always have those cold fronts that come through Florida and then it gets warm and it explodes with spawning fish. Not only was it cold and that warm front really didn't make it explode, but it was more so the water level. The water had been low for the last few days, probably the last four days of the event, um, including the postponed days. It had been low because of the wind direction. That south wind, that west wind, those two winds really blew the current and blew the water out of St. John's River. And 
that impacted uh, that water being able to come back in. Obviously, if you have 40 mile an hour winds blowing water out of a out of a river, and then you have five to seven mile hour winds blowing back into the river, it's going to take much longer for it to all get back than it did to leave. So the water being low really impacted this event. And uh, on the final day, it warmed up to the warmest it had been. The water had risen at back up to appropriate levels and they didn't catch them at all. It was very, really, really interesting to me. And I think that, you know, hindsight, obviously midway through the final day, I looked at Davy Height and I said, bro, it seems like it would have been better off if the water had stayed lower. The fish had been acclimated to that. They had been used to it. They pulled off because the water had fallen so much, but then they hadn't came back in, in, you know, flurries. Then they started coming back. But when, when you're wanting to go make a bed, you know, to spawn and you're wanting to do it in a foot of water and all of a sudden that water is rising, you're not going to necessarily do it right then. You might wait till it stables back out and gets to where it should be. And those fish either started making their beds in two or three feet of water, or they uh, were scared and they didn't start making them. But either way, anglers didn't really get to pinpoint where those fish were on that final day. They hadn't really gone up with the rising water yet, and they maybe hadn't moved up to any other places, but that impacted a lot of those shallow areas. So I think that was a factor, man. If if it would have stayed lower with the warming temps, we could have saw fish starting to make beds and doing doing their deal there. Um, which they would have obviously had to redo or live with it um, once the water rose and those beds were in you know two or three feet of water. But it is what it is. And even though it wasn't a slugfest, smash mouth, 100 pounds of bass tournament, it was really, really interesting because five or six anglers had a shot to win this event from day two all the way through day three. Basically midday on day two, there were five or six anglers within one bite, not even like a 10 pounder, like one bite of a five pounder from being able to win this event, whether it's Cliff Prince making that charge on the final day, needing a 20 pound bag to be right there with a chance to win, whether it's Kelly J weighing in five for five for, you know, six pounds or seven pounds on the final day, had a lot of room to call if he would have caught a good one. Uh, you know, you had John Cruz, he had gotten 14 pounds or so, um, I believe, I don't want to be wrong on that, uh, I think he had, he might have had 12 pounds or so, um, but he jumped up into second place, and he had a small fish that he could have called out, or Paul Mueller slamming the door, he only weighed in four fish on the final day, one more five pounder, and he closes that deal out uh, in convincing fashion. Jake Whitaker weighing in four fish on the final day for eight pounds and change, coming up five pounds short. It was probably very brutal for him, even though everyone loses fish. On day two of that event, he weighed in 16 pounds like he did on day one, but he had like a one pounder in his bag, like a 12 incher, like barely able to barely able to weigh that fish in. Smallest fish you could almost weigh in. And he jumped off a six or seven pounder. Um, we all saw that on Bassmaster Live. It was brutal to watch. And that was right there. If you add that up, if it's a six and a half pounder, that's a five and a half pound coal. If it's a six pounder, it's a five pound coal, whatever it is. He lost the event by five, five and finished fifth. So even him all the way back in fifth literally had 
the fish on to win the event. So that's that's what's cool about it is five or six guys had the fish on to win the event and uh, it just didn't work out. And so that is very captivating to me is when you're waiting. There's 10 minutes left in the event. There's an hour left in the event. There's three hours left in the event. Whatever it is, one of these guys is going to catch a big one on live and they're going to win the event right in front of our eyes. And Paul Mueller was the one who did that with that 6'11". It could have been a four-pounder and he loses. It could have been whatever it was. It could have been something different, but 6'11", he caught the clutch fish on the final day that he needed and he won the event. So kudos to Paul Mueller. Uh, Some takeaways bait-wise from the event. We saw some flipping coming into play. A lot of that, the lily pads, you know, guys were fishing, you know, lighter Texas rigs and then guys were fishing heavier Texas rigs, punching through it at certain extents, depending on how thick those lily pads were grouped together. Uh, We saw Buddy Gross throwing a lipless. We saw Jake Whitaker throwing a wacky rig. We saw uh, a Tokyo rig coming into play for John Cruz. And on the final day, he made an adjustment and threw a chatterbait and caught a lot of his fish on a chatterbait too. So that was a cool adjustment. Only person really we had seen do that. Um, We saw some top water on day one come into play with Patrick Walters. A lot of different things happened in this event and it changed a lot as well day to day. So for the guys to catch them like they did, given the conditions, it was a it was a fun event to watch. Really, it's just like it almost seemed like one of those Winya Bay events. Even though Winya Bay took fifty pounds roughly for four days, this took fifty pounds or forty seven pounds for three days. It felt like one of those events. Like it's so tough. If one of these guys catches a big one, it could be game over for the rest of the field. So I always love those events and. Uh, we got to see a double-digit fish. We got to see Kyle Welcher. If you haven't seen that, go to Bassmaster.com. Go to the YouTube. Go to Instagram, Facebook, Kyle Welcher, all of his social medias as well. Catching that 10-pounder, huge for him to stay in contention in his first-ever Elite Series event. So that was cool. And, uh, man, a great, great first event. I'm excited with Bassmaster Live being back. It feels right. It's just one of those things that feels right in the world. It felt right. Getting back in the seat, doing live with Davey Height, Tommy Sanders, Mike Sukon, Dave Mercer on site and whatnot. And uh, you got to love it when you do something in the world that you that you have a passion for, that you can make a living doing something you love, just like the Elite Series Pros, making a living bass fishing. For me to be able to make a living editing video and commentating, broadcasting on Bassmaster Live, um, it's a dream come true. It's super cool. So... I'm always grateful for that. It's an awesome fact that we can uh, hang our hats on, that anybody in the world can do what they want to do for the rest of their life if they put their mind to it and work hard. So super fortunate and blessed to do that. And um, yeah, but episode 11, Cast a Podcast, going to wrap it up there. And a great event, the St. John's River. A lot of tactics came into play. A lot of areas came into play. Uh to have so many people within one one bass of winning the event, that was a cool aspect of the tournament as well. And, um, yeah, really pleased with the way it ended. Lake Chickamauga was supposed to be later this week. It was supposed to be Friday, um, February 14th through Monday, February 17th. That has been postponed till March because of all of the rain that has happened in Kentucky and Tennessee and Alabama. Those lakes are so high. If you haven't checked it out, check out Pickwick. There's some 
photos from Florence, Alabama of the entire boat ramp uh, weigh-in area. I mean, it is it is a solid 50 feet above elevation there, I feel, um, above the waterline and uh, normally. And it's, it's completely flush with the waterline now. Um, scary situation for people that are probably getting flooded, but for the lakes and the rivers, uh, those places are getting blown out big time. Chickamauga is one of those bigger lakes that gets to hold some water before it goes down to Nickajack and then goes straight to Gunnersville. Um, Kentucky Lake is the is the saving grace of the Tennessee River because Kentucky Lake is so big it can hold so much water. So that has been postponed due to the you know steadily rising water dangerous conditions that could pop up later in the week. One of those things, it's one of those things. People will critique bass tournament officials for postponing, but if we would have sent the guys out there for three days of practice, gotten intel on how bad the river was and how bad Chickamauga was, not just fishing-wise, but safety-wise, and, and if it was continuing to rise, if the rain kept going throughout the week and they couldn't get the water out in time, it's one of those things where bass tournament officials look scared or looks look bad for postponing before the event even gets going and before guys get there but in reality i'd rather have them postpone it now than try to make the event work and it just postponing it after the guys have fished three days in bad conditions so that is out of the way the next thing we have on the docket is a college series event at smith lake one week before the bassmaster classic so that'll be the next bassmaster live event is the bassmaster classic in Birmingham, Lake Gunnersville should be a fun event. I'm so excited for the classic every year. I said it for years and years growing up. Wow, it's so cool to watch the classic unfold. Someone's life is going to change this week. Well, I started changing my phrase on that because not only will someone's life change, but 25 to 40,000 people, their lives will change because you'll never, ever forget. You'll never, ever forget when you watch someone win the Bassmaster Classic in person, even even on the water, even on Bassmaster Live, even on you know the TV show, whatever it is, you get goosebumps and nostalgia comes in when you see someone win the Classic. But when you're there in person, especially the 50th Bassmaster Classic, the 50th Bassmaster Classic, for someone to win that event, everyone in that arena, their life will change because they'll never forget that crowning moment when Mercer calls out that final weight on the scales. One of the two guys on stage is declared the winner and they celebrate. There's nothing like it in sports. And uh, that is the moment. Mono Imano, one guy versus another, whose weight is going to give them a classic victory that will not only a victory changes your life, but a classic victory puts you in the rafters forever. Immediate uh, notoriety and remembrance forever. So I'm excited for the classic. That's awesome. When one single event, three days of bass fishing can change someone's life forever and immortalize them. Pretty cool. So that'll be the next time we're live until then. I'm going to put out a few more podcasts for sure. Tune into that and can't wait to see y'all out on the water college event coming up at Smith Lake the week before the classic. I will be there covering that event so we'll give you a preview and a wrap-up of that as well and uh, some fantasy fishing some other notes and uh, yeah what's going on in life so episode 11 in the books cast a podcast with ronnie moore we out